Hello, and welcome to Device Week, a podcast from MedTech Insight. I'm Deputy Editor Reed Miller, and with me today is Managing Editor Marion Webb. So, Marion, you recently had a chance to catch up with Glucose CEO to talk about that company's growth and plans for 2021. What can you tell us about your conversation? Yes, Reed. So, people in the diabetes space are almost certainly familiar with Gluco. The company offers an FDA-approved and HIPAA-compliant connected care data management platform. I have seen people refer to the platform as the Switzerland of data management because it agnostic platform. It now integrates 95% of all diabetes-related devices on the market today, from continuous glucose monitoring systems to insulin pumps and insulin pens, and even fitness trackers. So, Gluco markets its platform to hospitals and health systems, and also doctors and private clinics, and aggregates all this data coming from the different devices in a way that helps providers, care teams, and patients make sense of the data so they can make better treatment decisions. The company has also more than 190 partnerships with major device companies and pharmaceutical companies to do things such as uh, jointly develop mobile solutions, data subscription models, and also run clinical trials, including virtual clinical trials, by the way, which during this time of COVID has really seen a rise in demand. Like many other digital health companies, Gluco has seen significant growth since the start of the pandemic because its platform allows data to stream remotely from devices into clinics and also enables providers to do telehealth sessions with their patients. And with COVID cases on the rise again in the U.S. and elsewhere, telehealth and remote monitoring continues to play a significant role for them, right? Yes. And glucose was among the companies that acted very quickly early on by making their remote monitoring platform free to both patients and clinics. And it continues to do so, at least for the foreseeable future. That's what the CEO, Ross Johannesson, told me. So the rise of telehealth and, of course, coinciding reimbursement for telehealth visits has been a tremendous boon for Gluco, especially on the provider side of the company's business, as the pandemic has accelerated that shift from visiting doctors to remote monitoring. And Mr. Johannesson expects that this model where patients will see their doctor for intensive care purposes, but visit the doctors remotely for more routine type visits will continue even beyond the pandemic. With Gluco providing the data points that he hopes will become better and better also as technology continues to evolve and give physicians and patients the information they need to customize care for patients with things like nutrition, exercise, carb intake, glucose levels, and so forth. What are some of glucose's plans for 2021? On the financing side, the CEO told me that the company is already looking for investors to raise 22 to $25 million in a Series D financing round, which he hopes to close in the first quarter of 2021 or sooner. He told me that the proceeds will be used to expand the company's platform geographically from now 26 countries and 15 languages to 30 countries and 19 languages. He's also already in discussions with partners to bring the platform to Latin America and the Asia-Pacific markets next year. And he's exploring new opportunities to create solutions to address comorbid conditions of diabetes like hypertension and obesity. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Some of them will likely be developed in-house, but also could be acquired. So it'll be interesting to see um, what happens on that side of the business. 
And the company also just recently provided funding to get a free educational program underway in the UK to train more than 300 diabetes clinics in using new technologies that are out there today. That's done in partnership with the Diabetes Technology Association of British Clinical Diabetologists and only available in the UK. But the CEO hopes to expand that program eventually to other markets as well. It's interesting to note that the program is sponsored by some of the major players in the diabetes industry, including Roche, Medtronic, Insulet, Abbott and Dexcom. So Gluco is private and Mr. Johannesson said he wants to keep his options in terms of financing open. But the digital health sector is definitely a very hot area. We'll keep an eye on what's next for Gluco. Now over to you, Reed. You follow the big medtech companies and there was some big news out of Boston Scientific this week. What can you tell us about that? So this week, Boston Scientific said that they are going to recall all of the outstanding inventory of their Lotus Edge transcatheter aortic valve, and they're going to stop all commercial, clinical, and research activity related to that device permanently. So they're abandoning that entire technology platform. A few weeks ago, during the company's third quarter earnings call, Boston Scientific's leadership said that they still had faith in the Lotus Edge program. But what finally killed it off was a new recall of the device's delivery system. The company said that the valve itself is fine, so anyone who already has one of these valves implanted doesn't need to worry about it, but there are complexities, and that was the term that the company used, with the delivery device, and it was just going to cost them a lot of money to re-engineer that and to redo all the manufacturing for the system and then train all their users on how to use it, and the company decided that that just wasn't worth it. Is this decision going to cost a lot? Boston Scientific expects that it will cost them up to $300 million to buy back all of the inventory, etc. And about half that charge will be in the fourth quarter of this year. Killing this program will actually add a bit to their earnings. It will actually be costing them so much more to actually run the program than just to get rid of it over the long run. It wasn't doing that well commercially. The Lotus Edge platform was available both in the U.S. and outside the U.S. And the company expected sales of Lotus to be worth about $75 million this year and about... $125 million next year. And now that sounds like a lot of money, but it was 1% of the company's revenue and it was only worth a few percentage points of the U.S. tavern market. Well, Edwards and Medtronic are way ahead of Boston Scientific in the space, both in terms of their market share and in terms of the FDA approvals. So FDA has approved Boston Scientific's device for high-risk patients only. They've approved the other two companies, Edwards and Medtronic's devices, for all levels of surgical risk. So Boston Scientific was selling Lotus to about 100 sites in the U.S., and apparently the sites that are using it were happy with it and were using it a lot. But there are about 700 sites doing tavern in the U.S., so clearly Boston Scientific had a long way to go to catch up with their rivals. They were sponsoring the Reprise 4 trial, testing Lotus Edge in intermediate risk patients in order to expand the indication and to kind of catch up with what Medtronic and Edwards has and doing it the same way that Medtronic and Edwards did it. They did a trial in high-risk patients, they did trials in intermediate risk patients, and then they did a trial in low-risk patients. That was just going to take Boston Scientific a long time to do that. As it is, the trial was going to take a couple years and then they got delayed by COVID. And so last month they said that they wouldn't be able to get the Reprise for trial done until 2024. By that time, their competitors are going to have even better devices than they do now. So Boston Scientific just looked at that and said it was just going to cost way too much. And that stopping that trial now will also save them a lot of money. Yeah, Boston Scientific has another Teva platform on the market, right? The Accurate Neo and Neo2. So that played into this decision as well. What's going on with that platform? 
And that's a big part of this decision. I don't know if Boss Scientific would have just given up on Taver altogether without having another backup plan because it's a big part of interventional cardiology right now. And interventional cardiology, of course, has traditionally been Boston Scientific's forte. So Boston Scientific has, as you said, been selling the accurate NEO system for a few years outside the U.S. And as of September, Boston Scientific also has selling the accurate NEO2 Taver system in Europe. The accurate NEO2 system has a bigger skirt than the first generation system, and that skirt cuts down on the aortic regurgitation problems. And those problems have actually plagued the first generation version of the device. But they said that sales of the accurate NEO2 with the bigger skirt are actually going very well. They thought that they would sell more of the accurate NEO2 in Europe this year than they were going to sell Lotus Edge worldwide. Just on that basis alone, clearly, if they had to pick one or the other, it was definitely going to be the accurate NEO2 that they put their money on. And what is their plan to bring the accurate NEO2 to the US? That is another source of some bad news for Boston Scientific. So originally the plan was that they would get FDA approval of the accurate NEO2 in 2021. The company thought that they could do that because they thought they were going to be able to leverage two trials from the first generation accurate NEO system and then just do a few patients with the accurate NEO2 in the US IDE trial. And they thought that all of that together would be enough to convince the FDA to approve the accurate NEO2. Both of those two trials of the first generation system, scope one and scope two, didn't meet their endpoint. Those trials were comparing accurate NEO to Medtronic and Edwards devices. But because of this paravalvular leak problem that I mentioned before, they didn't meet their non-inferior endpoint. That data is just useless when it comes to trying to help the accurate NEO2. So now Boston Scientific is going to have to rely entirely on this IDE trial that they have of the accurate NEO2 to prove that it's at least non-inferior to the existing devices. And they are confident it can do that because they have experience in the European trial that shows that the accurate NEO2 has a much lower rate of paravalvular leak than the first generation version, and it's going to be fine. But they're still going to have to prove that for the FDA, and that's going to require a much bigger IDE trial and a lot longer patient follow-up than they had originally planned to do. Now, they haven't really given a lot of details on what that's going to mean. They said they're still talking to FDA. But a couple of weeks ago, they did tell investors that whatever it's going to take, it's going to take until at least 2024 to get all that done. So Boston Scientific won't have a TAVR system in the U.S. for another three to four years, right? It looks that way. And that sounds really bad. But the Wall Street analysts who commented on this, and quite a few of them did, obviously, don't see this as a huge, at least financial disaster for the company. Boston Scientific still has a very diversified portfolio. And they've had some really big successes lately. For example, the Watchman device that prevents strokes in people with atrial fibrillation, that's doing really, really well for the company. And they've now put out the second generation version of that device, and that's apparently doing very well. So the analysts still think that Boston Scientific is in good shape to grow faster than the average for big med tech companies over the next few years. Analysts were not super impressed by all this. They said that they thought that this could be a bit of a hit to the company's brand and the reputation of their management, as opposed to, to their bottom line. Because like I said, Lotus wasn't actually selling that much anyway. They were already way behind their rivals in Taver. And now the Accurate Neo 2, which is now their only device in this, is going to be pushed back a couple of years. And they've had to kill this Lotus program after investing so much in it over the years. All of that just looks really bad. And on top of that, the company has missed their revenue targets a few times in recent quarters. And of course, those are targets that Wall Street comes up with. So it is a bad look for the company. And it does mean that they're going to have to start all over again in a few years. They're going to lose all those customers in between this time that they don't have a device. So that means they're going to have to start all over again with that in a few years. And all that just doesn't look good for Boston Scientific. So we'll kind of have to see how that all plays out. We'll have to see how that plays out for their management in the next few quarters. Thanks for that, Reed. You can read about these topics and a lot more right now at medtechinsight.com. Right now, we 
also have a lot of news about COVID-19 testing, including the announcement of the first at-home COVID test and Siemens test that quantifies neutralizing antibodies to COVID-19. We're featuring a few stories about venture financing rounds from, and of course, lots of regulatory news from around the world. You can find us on Twitter at medtech underscore insight. I'm medtech Marion, M-A-R-I-O-N, and we just medtech read with two E's. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week. <laughs>